You know, this year, um, like we've been talking about, it's uh, the year 2020, a new decade, a new um, slate that we've been given. And, you know, this time of year, everybody's doing their resolutions. I'm talking to uh, people, and they're losing weight, and everybody's trying to get on the track. And, you know, it's normally the cycle. I'm sure that all the gyms are full with people right now. And um, we're trying to burn off those calories of all those holiday parties and everything, which is a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. Um, how many of you want to walk closer to the Lord this year than we did last year? Amen. Amen. We, I believe we all, that God has placed that in our heart, that we desire to know him more. We desire to be obedient. We desire to see the life of, of the Lord shining through us and to see uh, his glory manifested through us. I think that we all have that inherently within us as we are believers and we want to uh, see God do things in our lives. We want to see transformation. We want to see our faith transform other people. We want to make a difference. We were all made for greater things. You know, I like um, the movie Rocky and the series of Rocky and Rocky 15 or whatever it went to, you know, but... You know, you keep falling for it. You know, the last Rocky movie, I went, oh, come on, man. This is, this is getting tired already. Like, he's an old man. But yet, it's still good because you get to see him triumph in this, you know. And, and uh, to see somebody with heart, to persevere through hardship and fight his way through something. And then you, you just feel that well up within you, that glory of uh, facing um, adversary or facing difficulty or facing defeat and then rising up and seeing victory come from that. And I think we all have that within us to love a story like that. I mean, uh, our God is a God of resurrection. You know, our story, our story, our Christian story is a um, when all hope seemed to be lost, when all his disciples are scattered, Jesus comes out of the grave three days later, just like what he said. So it's never, hope is never lost on us as Christians. We have hope beyond the grave. We have resurrection hope in Christ. We have eternal life now. You know, that's one of the things that we shared at, at uh, Randy's uh, service, his memorial, his celebration of his life, was that when we have accepted Christ, we've made a commitment to him that we possess eternal life now. You know, and, you know, the thing is, we are left here, to make a difference. We're left here. If, if, if that's all there was, then the moment we got saved, God would just take us out of here. You know, get us out of here and we're up in heaven and we're receiving the glory and we're enjoying that great time with the Lord. But God has work for each one of us to do here. There's a mission that we each have and it's for us to display the truth of his word, the transformative power that it has in us to uh, say, I was this before, but because of what Jesus did and we're beholding him, Beholding His glory, we're being transformed from glory to glory. That's what happens. You are not the same person that we were last year. We should be following, we should be uh, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and it's transforming us. And how does that work? I don't know how it works, but I know it works. When we are persistent in that pursuit of, of just, I want to know you more, Lord. I want to get closer to you. That we are being transformed. Even if it's not perceptible to us, it's perceptible to one another. As we see how we're walking this walk. Amen? You know, this world is, is it seems like it's gone crazy. You know, it's like somebody hit a switch and everything just went nuts. 
I mean, I can hardly watch the news. I don't watch the news, to be honest with you. I, I'm selective in the news that I watch because I watch the news and what's been fed to the general public, and I, I just want to throw up. It's, it's just so manufactured, you know. And here's a scripture. This is in Isaiah 5, uh, 18. It says, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as if a cart with a rope. They say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see that it may counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. So it's basically that society gets so wicked that they're provoking God to do something. I think we're living in that time right now. You know, you see these certain parades that they're giving and it's almost like, I challenge you God to do something. Where people are uh, parading in the streets and saying, I demand the right to have an abortion. And you know, um, we've been lied to about these sort of things, and God will forgive if a woman has had an abortion, but when you parade this like it's some uh, great thing, and there's people celebrating this fact, we see these pride parades, and they're just going crazy on this stuff, and it's like as if the world has gone crazy. And God loves these people. God loves all of us. We're all sinners. We've all had their, our hands in the mess. And Christ redeemed us from that. And He opened up our eyes and He showed us a different vision. It goes on in verse 20. It says, What are those who call evil good and good evil? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Doesn't that seem like the day that we're living right now? If you stand up for what is righteous, you become a target now. You stand up for what the Bible says. You all of a sudden, if you post something on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook, but I hear these stories. I posted something in opposition to this evil and I got flooded with attacks like a swarm of bees came at you. And they're like, when did this happen? Can anybody witness to that? Yeah. You know, it's just weird. What happened? What happened to society? What happened to America? We're supposed to be a Christian country. It's just like somebody flipped a switch and it's crazyville that we're living in now, right? It goes on in verse 21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. If we judge ourselves by society, then the standard is constantly moving. And the standard is not going up. The standard is going down. And we look around and we say, well, I'm not as bad as him. And I'm not about as bad as that. And the standard keeps dropping. But if we judge ourselves by the standard of the word, that's a high standard. Amen. And we keep our eyes fixed on that. We're talking about vision. Where are we going to keep our eyes? Where are we going to look at as we see things around us like this? That we must keep our eyes on the things of God. Or else it's just discouraging. It says, um, verse 22, Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant at mixing intoxicating drink. They justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice for the righteous man. You just watch some of the things going on and you're like... How can they come to these conclusions? How can they? Is there somebody handing out money behind the scenes? Is there somebody making money in some corrupted way that things are turning out this way? Are we that stupid that we can't see that? That there's a lot of money uh, um, passing back and forth in the political realm and whatever. And it's just like, this doesn't make any common sense anymore, the way things are. It says... Um, because of that, 
They justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Verse 24, Therefore, as a fire devours the stubble and a flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be rottenness, and their blossoms will ascend like dust, because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. It seems as if society has cut any moorings to what is proper, what is true, what is just, and the whole society is like a ship that a ship that went out to sea and it's just a drift. It's just subject to the tides. If the tide's pulling us this way, that's where we're going. If it's going this way, we're going that way. It's like rudderless, and we're headed for the rocks. It seems, but the the foundation of the word of God, the foundation of Jesus Christ stands firm. He says this, he says that everything in this time that can be shaken will be shaken to only that which is cannot be shaken will remain the things of God, the word of God. I saw an interesting video clip of uh, the um, earthquake that took place in Puerto Rico and somebody was making note of this they said look at this church this thing stood for hundreds of years a Catholic church he said look all the all the statues fell down all the statues were on the ground they crumbled the walls fell off the church there was a there was says look at the only thing that remained in that church there was a Bible on a stand it didn't even have dust on it. it was sitting in the front of the church and it was sitting there opened up and there was a picture of Jesus on the wall those are the things that remain everything that can be shaken will be shaken to only the things that are founded on the Word of God founded on the truth of God will remain we want to make sure that that's where we're standing at right now right we want to have our vision aligned with the things that are eternal not the things that are temporal we don't want to be um, shaded or pulled by the culture because the culture and the majority most times is not right most times in society the, the the majority the masses are not right it seems like there's always a remnant the ones that held firm to the things of God we want to be in that position we want to be the salt we want to be the light we want to be an influence to try to steer things back on right course because our heart needs to have compassion we were all sinners at one time we were all set adrift we were doing our own thing it's not like we're better than them all we did was find salvation in Jesus Christ and we have a message it says we have this this message this treasure in an earthen vessel the eternal things of God planted within our spirit that has the ability to transform somebody's life by sharing this message with somebody. That's what we have. It says we have a treasure within this earthen vessel. Earthen vessel is made out of clay. What did God make humans out of in the garden? He grabbed some clay and he formed it and he breathed in it and it became a life-giving, be our life-living uh, being. And it goes on. It says in verse 25, it says, Therefore the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them, and it stricken them, and the hills tremble, and the carcasses were as refuge in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. That means that God can only take so much. I remember Billy Graham saying, Unless the America, America repents... Judgment is coming to this country, and if we don't repent, uh, if God does not send judgment, that he's going to have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that we're under grace, and we're under the blood of Jesus, and we pray, and I believe as the church, we can pray for God's hand to be stayed, and pray for revival, and pray for people to come into the kingdom, but ultimately it will come. 
judgment will come to this nation. Our job is, right now, is to get the message out there and to see how many people we can save. We can be an influence for good and say, this is corruption. This is the way that society is going. We don't have to go that route. Please turn from that. Turn away from that and come into God's kingdom because this is the umbrella of safety. This is the shelter of safety that is offered. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. There is salvation under that umbrella. Outside that, you're on your own. The world has gone nuts. This is, you know, it goes on uh, with other judgments coming out, but I want to jump down to chapter 6. And, uh, you know, we sang some songs this morning with holy, holy, holy. We sang those songs this morning. And in chapter 6, it says this, Isaiah the prophet is saying this. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So this prophet, he was despairing because of the condition of the nation. It's in a mess. And the king dies. And he was even more depressed. It's like, man, there's our king. Our leader is dead now. What are we going to do? And he has this vision. We're talking about vision. What are we looking at? Do we each have a vision in our heart of something greater than our surroundings, what we're looking at? Can we see with spiritual eyes a spiritual vision of something greater than the temporal views that we're looking at right now? It says the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. We can get a view into the eternal if we study the word, if we spend time in prayer. God could give us a vision. Has anybody here have a vision? Did God give you a vision of something greater that it's almost like that couldn't be? I know it. I know. If you if you spend any time with the Lord, any time in the Word, that God has spoken to you things that are so above you, above us, and it's just like, what could that possibly be? Yes, it could be. Yes, it is what God thinks about you. Yes, this is what God wants to see in our lives. But we have to have faith. We have to merge faith with action. We have to look at that. And, and, and you know, you hear, you hear these stories about self-betterment. And they say to you, you put your goals and you pin them up on the mirror. So every morning while you're brushing your teeth, you're looking at those goals. You're keeping it before your face. And it's getting into your psyche. It's getting into your, into your mind. This is what I can do. This is what I'm going to achieve. This is who I am. It's the same thing here. This is true. This is true. And it's lofty goals. It's eternal goals. It's goals that will transcend this life. It says, you know, in the Bible it says, exercise is, is good. It's fruitful for a little bit. But discipline, spiritual uh, discipline is fruitful for now and also in inter into eternity. The time we spend in prayer, the time we spend uh, in the Word, the time that we spend in service to the Lord, in serving one another, in loving other people, the time that we spend in fellowshipping amongst the church, in serving in the church, these are all disciplines that are laying up for us a foundation for the world to come. These things transcend this life. It's time well spent that we do those things. It's honoring to the Lord. It's an obedience to His Word. And when we're obedient to His Word, we will see the fruit of those decisions manifested. 
You know, I, I said this, you know, some of you weren't here this morning when we, when we started off, off with prayer, but, you know, we prayed a couple weeks ago, we got together with some pastors up in uh, Kula, who had Pastor Daniel's church, and the thing that was on my heart was I've seen God move at the prayers of the saints. You know, we're like, like uh, Maui was saying, we have a, a, a powerful uh, team of prayer warriors in this church, and we see God do tremendous things. And um, there was on several occasions where there was fires that were threatening things, and we prayed, and God sent rain in an unlikely manner to put out those fires. And so that was the first thing I said at that prayer meeting. I said, I've seen it firsthand, where we prayed a fire up in Poli Poli, and God brought in a Kona storm and put that thing out in the middle of summer when you don't get Kona storms. He put it out. I remember that in San Diego during the summer, there was a raging fire over there. And we prayed at this church. We prayed. And I saw the newscast that the firefighters were, were, were standing around. And, and it, looked, it was looked weird because where there was fires just the day before. It not only rained, it snowed. And it put the fires out. Seriously. And we prayed about two weeks ago, and I saw on YouTube, I've been, I've been monitoring this, they said that a massive storm came into Australia, and there was a guy with a beard about this long, and there was a kid about this tall, and he's running around in the yard, he's running around, like, looking up, like, what is this? And they said, this child is two years old, and he's never seen rain in Australia. Two years, it didn't rain. And two weeks ago, we prayed, it rained, it, it was storming, man. It was storming. It says, they were, they were talking, they were more concerned about the flooding that was taking place from the amount of rain that was coming in. And there was even hail associated. And they showed the guy, the guy who had the long beard over there, he was at his barber and he was shaving off his beard because he vowed, I will not shave this beard until it rains. Two years later. That happened. It really happened. And I know we're not the only ones praying. I know that that appeal went out across the body of Christ. But it does say that in the book of James. It says that James was a, uh, I mean, the, the um, a prophet Elijah was a man with a like nature. That he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again. And it rained. And the earth brought forth its fruit. So God has given us dominion. He's given us the power of his name. He's given us these kingdom powers to call those things that are not as though they are. And we can have faith and see God move mightily on our behalf. Can we pray for revival in the United States? Yes. Because God is waiting for the former, the former and the latter rain. There's a, a, a later type of rain coming that he wants to see a harvest of souls. He wants to see sinners get saved. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he wants all men to come to repentance. And by our prayers, and I thank you guys last week, and if you didn't get your names in there, please write it down on a piece of paper and leave it on the back table. But we're praying on Tuesdays and Thursdays for those souls, those names that we appeal to. If you have three or four names, put them on a piece of paper and we're pleading with the Lord to save these souls. We are praying for them. And God is going to hear those prayers. Amen. He wants to save people. And it's our job. That's part of our job is to intercede. So he goes on back to Isaiah. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So he said, woe is me. For I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. To be in the presence of a holy God, that must be such a fearful thing. 
to be there. This prophet, Isaiah, goes into the, uh, into the throne room of heaven and he sees seraphim flying around and they're, you know, they're covering their face because they can't even behold the glory of the Lord and they're, they're covering their feet and they're flying with the two wings and the smoke of God's glory fills the temple and his voice is so booming that it's shaking the very pillars of that place. And he said, the prophet says, I'm undone. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm going to explode in this glory of God. And he's having an, uh, an encounter in this uh, heavenly vision that he's seen. Woe is me, I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. And everything is a prophet of God. But when you come into the presence of a holy God, you're cognizant of your unworthiness. God is holy, holy, three times holy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, holy. And we come in there and he says, Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? That he took away our sin. He took away our shame. He nailed it on the cross and he conferred his righteousness upon each one of us. That we're able to operate in this environment. It's to have reverence for God. But we said we can come boldly to that place. And appeal to him in the time of need for his grace because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did, we have right relationship with God. We can come into his presence. We can appeal to him in our need. And we thank you, Lord, for that. For the um, righteousness and the blood atonement that gives us access into this holy place. Also, you heard verse, verse 8. Also, heard the voice of him saying, Woe, whom shall I send and who will go for us? It's interesting for those who don't believe in the Trinity, you know, who will go for us? Just like when in the book of Genesis, let us make man after our image. And it says, uh, then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. This is what God wants. He wants the message to go out. He wants us to hear it with our ears. He wants us to see it with our eyes. And so the resulting effect would be for us to hear it, have it go down in our heart and bear fruit and have us repent and turn. These people, it seems, were so hardened that he says um, in verse 11, And then I said, How long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, and the houses are without man, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And yet a tent will be in it, and will return and be for consuming a terebinth tree as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. So he was speaking to a really, a really rebellious people. But I believe in the promise of God that he says that he's looking for the former and the latter rain. That there is a time where God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he did on the day of Pentecost, but I believe there's going to be another outpouring. And we need to pray for that. We need to believe for that. We need to have faith for that. That God's going to harvest souls. And our job right now is to be watchful and to be prayerful in this time right now. Amen? That we're waiting upon the Lord and we're serving the Lord 
And we're pursuing a relationship with our God so that we are positioned to be used in that time. We can be used right now. Whenever we share our message with somebody that we're close to, whenever we pray for somebody that we're close to, we're fulfilling that function. You know, if we go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, You know, in this life, there's a lot of things that concern us. There's a lot of things that have our, our, our attention. You know, one of the things that we were talking, we met with some pastors on Tuesday, the ones who were planning this prayer event, and they said that, you know, one of the major things in this time, in this day and age, is distraction, the word distraction. You know, we're just walking our walk, and all of a sudden, boom, this gets our attention, and we're, we're, we're distracted. And we're, we get distracted, then we can get discouraged, we can get deceived. But we have to keep our focus, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. We have to be watching, amen? We have to be aware of what's going on right now. The Lord says it about this time and this, this age of which we're living. He says, these are perilous times, dangerous times. You know, the first thing that Jesus said about these times, don't be deceived. Don't be aware of what's going on. There's a, a, an enemy that uh, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But resist him steadfast in the faith and he'll flee from us. So we got to keep focus. We got to uh, keep our eyes upon the Lord and keep about his business. And in verse uh, or chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke, in verse 22, it says this. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat and your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, which God feeds them. And how much more value are you than the birds? You ever worry about that? I mean, you get into situations and you're thinking to yourself, does God, does God really know my situation here? Is he watching what's going on here? And apparently, you know, God says in his word that he is very concerned. He says there's not a bird that falls to the ground that happens without his knowledge. He, he knows the very number of hairs on our head. And it's hard to conceive something like that. But now, man, we're making supercomputers. Man is making supercomputers. And you hear the amount of uh, data that these things can process in one second. It's off the chain. And we're talking about God here. You know, so he can do what he can do. Uh, it says, which you by worrying could add one cubit to his stature. If then you're not able to at least, uh, the least of them, why be anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, verse 27, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet they say, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which is today in, in the field tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things, but seek, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, the treasures in heaven which do not fail, where no thief approaches or a moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you invested in the kingdom of God? Because, you know, where we put our money, 
we're watching that. I use this illustration many times. I remember when I when I did have some money invested in the stock market, I would get up every day, you know, and I would look at the site. How's the stock doing? Is it going up? Is it going down? And where we place our money, we have uh, something, we have skin in the game. That each one of us, as we invest in God's kingdom, where it says we're laying up treasure for a good foundation, we come in there. It is tied in to our giving. It is tied in to our service. It is tied in to, do we put this stuff into action? And we say, yes, this, this means something to me, so therefore I'm going to do what this Bible says. It becomes precious to us at that point. Are we waiting for a kingdom to come that has not appeared yet? Are we waiting for the Lord to manifest His kingdom? Here on this earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. It is coming. It's coming whenever we go out there and we proclaim it. When we talk about the things of God. When we uh, share in our, our faith with other people. When we lay hands on the sick. Jesus says, when you see a devil get cast out, the, the kingdom of God has come amongst you. When we see somebody get healed, the kingdom of God has come amongst you. When we take the, the word of God and we put it into action. And we do those things that God is commanding us to do. We are advancing his kingdom. We're proclaiming. Jesus Christ is Lord of the earth. And yet the Bible also says this, we don't yet see all things placed under his feet. We do these things in faith because we know that he's king. We know that he stripped the devil of his authority. We know that he stripped the, the grave. We know that he conquered death and he confirmed his righteousness upon us. We are those ambassadors. We are those subjects of a kingdom. We're citizens of a heavenly realm here right now. That's who we are. We need to know that as we get to know this identity, then we can have more greater boldness. We can have more confidence. We don't have to worry when we hear about all the stuff going on. We're confident in the Lord that he has a plan. This is his plan that he's working all things together for good because we love him and are the called according to his purposes. Amen. That's where the foundation is right there. This is another aspect of that. Verse 35 going on in that same chapter, it says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Peter said, Gird up the loins of your mind, which basically means prepare to do something difficult. That means prepare for motion, prepare for movement. When back in the days, they would wear those long robes or tunics, they would go down beyond their knees. And if they're going to move quickly, it says, gird up your loins. That means grab the, the, um, the bottom of your hem of your, your tunic and wrap it up and, and take your belt and, and uh, cinch it off so that you can move quickly. God is telling us right now, gird up the loins of your mind or thinking that we're not just drifting through this life, but we're focused on what God wants done here. It says, and you, verse 36, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when they will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, you may open to him immediately. Not like, oh, bye-bye, Lord, someday I'll be ready. We should be like, okay, Lord, you say it now, I'm ready, man, I'm ready, because it says that we do not know the day or the hour that he's going to return, right? Blessed are those servants, verse 37, whom master, when he comes, will find watching Assuredly, I say to you, that he will gird himself and have them sit down and eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch, which is 9 to 12, or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are they. The second watch is 12 to 3. Blessed are those servants. Verse 39. 
But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. Jesus tells us that I'm coming as a thief. It's going to come stealthily. It's not going to be heralded by some big event that has to take place. He's coming stealthily like a thief. You know, last week I mentioned about the the number 2020 and what that said. And it sounded a lot like a rapture word. It says that to snatch away, to catch away of, with, with, uh, with force. And that's what the rapture is. It's to take his people out before things get really bad. Because the tribulation period is a terrible time. And I'm not saying that 2020 is the year of the rapture. I don't know when the rapture is. But I know this. My posture should be looking up. We're talking about vision. Where should my vision be? My vision should be planted on the Lord and says, Lord, you have a plan for this. You told us this is what it's going to look like. You told me, you told us in your word that this is what the planet was going to look like at this time. I'm focused on you. I'm not, you know, getting off balance here. And then uh, in verse 41, this is what Peter said to him. Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise steward who his master made him ruler of his household and gave them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant who when his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that it will make him ruler over all that he has. But if a servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his male and female servants and eat and drink and be drunk. You know, there's a scripture that I read last week. It says, without prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. That's why, Pastor Tyler, God bless you for reading the book of Revelation. That's prophetic vision. That spells out what God's program is down the line. What, what, how does this thing terminate? How does it all end up? It's going to end up there. Christ is victorious, but it's going to be a time of trouble unlike any other time on this place of the planet Earth. And God says, I have not appointed my church to wrath that I have a plan of salvation for them. But we must keep our eyes focused upon the Lord. We must put Him as priority. And there's a lot of distractions. And we can get weary. And it's like, man, I've been waiting forever. And then you're here. I'm hearing a lot of people are jettisoning the whole proposition of Christ coming back for His church. This is, well, I don't believe in a rapture anymore. But the Bible talks about it. It's sure. It's going to happen. God is going to come for his church. He's, Jesus is saying these things right now. Um, verse uh, 46, it says, The master of the sermon will come in a day when he is not looking for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and it will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for to everyone who much is given, for him much is required. And for whom much has been committed, of him it will, I will ask the more. So this is what the Lord is commending to the church right now. For us to focus upon that thing which is eternal. To be looking up and waiting upon him and being busy about his work right now. This is the posture of the church right now. This is the age of which we're living in right now. Amen? He goes on, and I'm not going to read 49, but I'll read 54. 
verse 54, he says, he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. Here in Hawaii, if we have a south wind blowing coming from this direction, we go, oh, there's a Kona storm coming. Right? If you feel that hot, humid air that we, we used to get more of those before. We don't get them as often, but you feel that hot, humid air, you know a Kona storm is coming. Right? It says, uh, and when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather, and there is hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but how is it you don't discern this time? The Lord spoke a lot about this particular time of which we're living. And he, if, we, if we choose to just turn away, I don't want to look at it, I don't want to know. He's calling us a hypocrite. I gave you these things to let you know this was the time. I gave you these signs to let you know, get ready, because I'm coming back. Amen? Does that make sense? That should be our posture. We should pray, Lord, help me to focus. Help me to get my eyes on you. Help me not to be distracted by the things of the world. Help me to get things in right priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. That's where God wants us right now. He always wants us there, but especially now, when there is so many things pulling us in different directions, and society itself, it seems as if it's gone crazy. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Habakkuk. The word says, you know, write the vision, make it plain for the he who, who uh, reads it could run with it. Though the vision tarry, wait for it. It will not tarry. It will speak. These things have all been written thousands of years ago, and we've been waiting on it, but it will come to pass. And it says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. We are the people of God, and we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith. We believe in the word of God, and we'll see it be manifested in our lives. Let's pray.